family all gathered out having a nice barbecue. Well, right now Solomon Brothers, when qualifying jewelry, like a nice tennis bracelet, diamond earrings, you know what you're going to get? A brand new big green egg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got you these gorgeous diamond earrings, and I have a brand new big green egg. That's what's going on right now. Solomon Brothers is the best at what they do, which is best quality diamonds, quality jewelry for the price. Great customer service. I don't think we mentioned that enough because everything from just helping you decide. Um, if something happens, you want, you want your ring cleaned, you want your jewelry cleaned, they are your jeweler for life. I cannot say enough nice things about them. And right now, take advantage of that Mother's Day special. Two locations, one's in Buckhead, 17th floor, Tower Place in Buckhead. Pull underneath, free park, and head on in, you're taken care of. You can get it wrapped and ready to go. Also in Avalon, right next to Avalon, uh, two-story building, pull right up, and just let them take care of Mother's Day this year. Solomon Brothers. Bo Morgan here for the Georgia Hemp Company, and it's simple, guys. The Georgia Hemp Company has the finest CBD and hemp products for your wellness. Don't settle for less from the competition. Choose the quality and selection at the Georgia Hemp Company. And at the Georgia Hemp Company, you can expect top-notch service and expert consultations. So get the best CBD at thegeorgiahempcompany.com. That's thegeorgiahempcompany.com. Even use my code SQUIDBILLY10 for 10% off your order online today. Or visit them at one of their four Atlanta locations. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. If it matters to an Atlanta sports fan. Get the latest here first. It's about us. It's about our strength. WZGC Atlanta and WZGC HD1. Always live and free on the Odyssey app. Atlanta Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Oh, there we go. 10.02, Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. My name is Steak. That's Sandra Golden. Thanks so much. Fastest two hours in radio. And as part of what we're trying to do on Tuesdays, look at some of the real leaders in our community, and even better when they're in the sports world, have them come in here and, you know, have to be subjected to me grilling them for 60 minutes. Steve Cannon, <laughs> the vice chairman of uh, Arthur M. Blank Sports and Entertainment, former CEO. Now he's got the chairman title. All you need to know, he's got a lot going on. And he's been here now how many years, Steve, in Atlanta? Just about eight years, Steak. Eight years since he's come over. And he's had all the highs and all the lows that you could have in an eight-year run, correct? Uh, Amen. My first year, we went to the Super Bowl, and I thought, wow, am I going to really catch this on my first year? We all know how that ended. But it's been an unbelievable, unbelievable journey. Yeah, you got a... uh you got a championship in MLS two years later? We did, yes, in, in 19, which was unbelievable. And I got to parade through downtown Atlanta. What an experience that was. Unbelievable. Yeah. So congrats on certainly bringing that championship here. So your background is – and you meet Sandra for the first time, correct? Hey, Sandra. Hi. Nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. And I talked to Steak about this. Perception's reality in my world here in Atlanta. I've been here 27 years. No one has a bad word to say about you. That does, right, Steak? Like yes, that doesn't indeed. happen, especially in our field. They can't wait to crack on somebody. But how you treat people, you have great manners for somebody to say that about you. So it, I literally, this is truly my pleasure. So thank you for coming in. Well, thank you for saying that, Sandra. I'll take that this morning. All yeah. right. So it's the truth. let's talk a little bit. Uh, you, and you've had some incredible uh, jobs over the years, including running one of the biggest brands in the world. And I've always, we've had, you know dinner and I hung out a little bit and I always start grilling about like 
the Mercedes brand because that's such a unique, iconic brand. But getting back to going to West Point and how that helps to shape anyone in that scenario, were you a military family? Was West Point always in your mind? You were a wrestler growing up, right? So take us through that a little bit. Yeah, so not a military family. I grew up 40 miles away from West Point. It wasn't even on my radar screen. And then my younger brother, who went to Syracuse for a year, goes to West Point. I'm at William & Mary just kind of doing the regular college thing. I was wrestling down there. I got I re- got recruited to, to wrestle. Turns out that my wrestling coach there left, ended up at West Point, recruits my brother. And then I'm see- watching my brother uh, jump out of airplanes, rappel down cliffs, drive in tanks, do all this neat <laughs> and crazy life-challenging things. And here I am sort of just hanging at out college, hanging, hanging out. out. I right. thought, you know what? I, I want to do that. So I, I um, gave up a couple years of college and ended up signing up for West Point, And it was the experience of a lifetime. No, absolutely no regrets. So it just looked cool initially, right? That your brother was doing it. And, and then everything else that, that, you know, West Point means and what it means to go to school there, I'm sure it starts to, starts to become more and more significant as you get there. So the one of the recruiting posters from West Point. I'm a bit of a military historian. I love I love history. And there was this poster that had Eisenhower and it had J- Grant. And it's the the headline was must much of the history we teach was made by the people we taught. Which you know if you think about West Point founded in 1802 under Jefferson and the leaders of West Point have been bridge builders and doctors. This country was was forged by people that went to that institution. I sort of fell in love with that idea. I fell in love with the absolute challenge of it. It was different than just going to college and rushing a fraternity. Right. This was its own fraternity, a fraternity of service that um, that I fell in love with more and more as I, as I traveled that path. So how different is the life of an athlete or a student? Take us through that process. What's the most challenging? And their dad's listening here that I'm sure have thought about, you know, the armed services for their kids or having that conversation. Take us what the real difference is and, and how challenging it was. First of all, I was surrounded by exceptional people, people who cared, people who were the tops of their classes. They were the captains of teams. So to be surrounded by excellence is inspiring in, in and of itself. Then to be surrounded by people that know that service is what is what they're there for, right? We all had to raise our hand on the plane at West Point and swear an oath of a of allegiance to the Constitution. Sort of gives you chills to think about this is how these young folks get to start their lives. And that's fundamentally different than how so many kids these days start their lives. I kind of wish that service to country in whatever way, yeah, shape, or form that you express it, if that were part of all of our backgrounds, I feel like we would appreciate more kind of all that we have been given. 100%. Well, numerous mm-hmm. countries, that is uh, not I'm not numerous, but several countries, that is part of it, military service. You see with athletes having to travel back. Um, I think in Israel, at 18 years old, you give two years to the military mm-hmm. regardless of, of where you are, men and women. I think it builds a state of patriotism that is unique as well, right? And it gives you a sense that all of this stuff that, that we have available to us, yeah. all of these freedoms that we that are truly differentiated from so many people around the world that don't enjoy the same sets of freedom, they're not free. There's a cost to it. We've certainly seen the cost of that through deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan and 20-plus years of, uh, of war fighting. Uh, that sacrifice is is profound, right? right. So whether you agree yeah. with the politics on who and how we deploy, at, at the end, 
it's not the service member's job to question that. It's their job, having raised their hand um, to, to protect the de and defend the Constitution, to go where their policy and their leaders tell them to go. Right. Politics don't enter into the fray. We, you know, we, we do exactly as we're told here because those before us have given us these freedoms and we're there to serve. And that's what you see time and again. How does that experience set you up later in life? Obviously, you've had some remarkable um, career opportunities, including being, is it CEO of uh, Mercedes-Benz North America? Did that's, I get that right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, not to mention, by the way, Steve Cannon with us, Vice Chairman of Arthur M. Blank Sports and Entertainment, former CEO of that same group. So what's the tangible stuff that it, that it gives you? Are you more disciplined than most young people? Do you have a better sense of purpose? Like, what does West Point or any of the armed services set you up for? I was grounded in leadership. At the end, it's about taking care of your troops, bringing them together to accomplish whatever the mission is that you need to accomplish. And so that skill set that I got to learn from the ground floor, four years of West Point, then taking all of that that I learned there at West Point out into the Army you know, as an officer leading troops. I was over in, in West Germany. Uh, when the wall, soldier. were you there when the wall fell? I was there when the wall came down. Yeah. You know, in, in a real mission, uh, in a real context, um, that five years of practicing what you'd learned at West Point. So I've got nine years of, of hardcore leadership experience, how to, how to have the tough conversation, how to motivate troops, how to give them vision and purpose when, when maybe um, being in the base gets a little bit boring. You gotta, you gotta be creative as a leader. So that leadership set me up. I've been, I've been, I've been living off of those leadership lessons for the last forty plus years. Um, I continue as a leader to learn every single day. But the sense of, of leadership, leading people, and and again, my job has always been servant leader. My job is to serve the organization. Even as CEO, people don't report to me. I work for the organization, and I wish that mentality were more prevalent. So we've kind of explain that a little bit because there are bosses that just love the idea that they're the boss. I'm the and boss, right? I'm the boss. I'm in charge. I've worked my way up, and now you serve me. Right. That, that is complete garbage. If for, as you move up in an organization, your responsibility to take care of the enterprise and the people in that enterprise goes up dramatically. So, you know, one of the things I, you know, officers always ate last. Where, wherever we were, the, the soldiers went through first. And that mentality I've kind of carried everywhere around. It's about taking care of your people. And if you, if you allow them to be successful and to live their best lives inside of your organization, the business outcomes or the military outcomes will follow. Steve Cannon with us, live in studio. He's helped uh, run a lot of the uh, endeavors for Arthur Blank, who is, of course, iconic in this town. And, uh, and we'll talk a lot about the sports end of it as well. As uh, When you are interviewing potential leaders of any of these organizations, what, what are, first of all, interviewing-wise, you've had a lot of those. What, what are the... Great things for folks to think about when they're in that scenario, interviewing. And what are the absolute worst thing that you could see in front of you, having interviewed you know, so many folks over the years, hundreds of folks for big jobs? So as you move up in an organization, if you're interviewing a senior leader, it's, uh, it's less about your core competency, right? So I grew up in the marketing side of the house. And so my functional expertise as a marketer, as I lead an organization, becomes less important. And it becomes more about your ability to generally manage, to to 
develop strategy, to provide resources, to bring people together. So for me, when I interview senior leaders, it's all about character, it's all about values, and it's about culture. Because I know great leaders know how to create fantastic cultures. If you focus on the culture, the business outcome generally follows. If I create a vibrant workplace where people feel valued, appreciated, developed, again, if they can lead their best lives inside of your organization, the business outcomes, whether that's market share or sales or, or, or quality, that'll all follow. Too many organizations chase outcomes, and sometimes they skip steps, or, and then bad things happen. You know, like when major organizations, you know, in, in, in my day at Mercedes-Benz, VW wanted to be the biggest global sales company in the world. Then all of a sudden there was a diesel cheating scandal that almost wrecked their brand. Somewhere what seeped down into the organization is, hey, if I take this shortcut, shortcut yeah. uh, I'll, I'll allow us to sell more cars. And, and all of a sudden the entire premise of your brand, which is built on authenticity and trust, comes into question. So that's a cultural thing. And if you focus on culture, those types of behaviors won't happen. Do you have certain interview questions you love? I'm all about um, talk to me about how you build culture inside of your organizations. I have found that good leaders can articulate that very clearly. If I ask you, so like describe the culture here, stake, and tell me how you as a senior leader have helped to build that. If if you don't have a good answer for that, right. that means you haven't thought about it. You right? should have stories absolutely that you can bring back, right? When, of examples. I could tell when I traveled around the Mercedes-Benz dealers, so when there's 375 dealers across yep. the country, I would sit with the senior leader team and I would ask questions. I would take the tour of the dealership, do all those things that CEOs do when, right. they, when, they, when they stop by. <laughs> but I would have that, that sort of roundtable conversation, and that was always the first question. And, when, and some teams could nail it. They articulated, they talk about their point of differentiation, what they do for their people, how they create first a culture inside of, of excellence with their team right. that then gets transported to the customer, right? Customer experience starts with associate experience. You can't create a great customer experience if the people inside of your team yeah. don't feel great Aren't about being it. treated well. And so I found just a crazy difference between certain leader teams that that understood it, lived it, developed it, nurtured it every yep. single day, and those that hadn't given it a lot of thought. I had a buddy, uh, Dave George, who listens all the time. He's president of Olive Garden. And I'd say, what's the key to an Olive Garden? He said, I don't care if you're in Albuquerque or East Lansing or Newark. The GM of that property sets the tone for the entire – it's everything, right? It doesn't matter. Like all those other things, like locate, whatever. The GM, which I guess is the same in the car business, right? That leader up front – it permeates everything that happens for a successful restaurant or dealership or any of that. It's amazing how much power and influence a leader has for good or for negative inside of a company. And if and if you are a great leader, a great culture will follow and people will talk about that and the, the converse. You ever leave true. a uh, dealership and be like, oh, that dude's done. That I, you know, I just, yeah, like within like that thing has to wrap up. Just by spending time with them that one time. A hundred percent. Unfortunately, and I'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. We set up a leadership academy for dealerships. I called it the Mercedes-Benz Leader Academy. I actually took them all to West Point and, I, and to train the leaders, wow. knowing that if the leaders get better, the whole organization gets better. Steve Cannon is here. We're going to have some fun talk about Taylor Swift. The three-night extravaganza is the guy that runs Mercedes-Benz and opened it. And... Um, and also has a great story about his family being there as well. So 
Uh, also, a little sports conversation, including Atlanta United. I mean, you know, we need to play better. I blame you. Last three games. Steve Cannon live in studio on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Thanks, Shapiro, Sandra Gold, Fast Two Hours in Radio. Thanks for being with us on a Tuesday morning. Tomorrow, Rusty and Rusty Rocks. Thursday, Drew Butler. Friday, Sandy is back in the house. And uh, Kirby Smart on with us yesterday. Had a great conversation with him. All the biggest names and guests and uh, the kind of folks that help make up the sports community. Steve Cannon is one of those guys. He's in front of us. He's the chairman, the vice chairman of Arthur M. Blank Sports and Entertainment. And uh, also is the guy that opened... That big old building in 2017, right? We're six years out from opening that place. That's right. There were some harrowing moments as we approached uh, kickoff. I know. What was it? Like it was September and we didn't know if the roof was having issues. That's or, right. Yeah. yeah, it's not one of those things like we're building a, an office over at the works and I keep getting reports from guys like, yeah, maybe an extra few weeks or we may not get... You really can't do that when opening kickoff is like three weeks away, right? Absolutely. So what people don't realize is every stadium is a one-off. So it's not like you're taking a blueprint from a previous stadium and just refabricating that. So you're doing something for the first time every single time you build a stadium. Uh, Arthur wanted to sort of shoot for the stars. He wanted the best sports and entertainment venue in the world. So he wasn't just shooting for another stadium, right, to join the NFL crew of stadiums. That's why, you know, architecturally it stands out. That's why we went for the the movable roof, which had never been done before. I know. That is – that's just craziness to a project of that magnitude. That Rich had a great role in. Obviously, you came in on the uh, on the latter part of that, but trying to pull that off is is staggering to think about, right? It it was a Herculean task because we got behind on some of the steel construction, and as you get behind, it has a cascading effect through the entire timeline. That final year until kickoff in in August, uh, we were running three shifts a day. There were fifteen hundred people there. Uh, if they had to do work overhead, all of a sudden, all the work underneath it had to get resequenced. So you're moving it from the north part of the stadium to the south part of the stadium. And that thing, that happened every single day for that last year. So, it so was- three shifts of 1,500 people for 365 days to get that sucker opened up. Plumbers, electricians, drywall, <laughs> you name a trade. It was inside our right. building in bulk, um, working – Again, uh, against the shifting backdrop, right? Because whenever we had to make a steel correction overhead, safety rules dictated nothing happens underneath. So all of a sudden, the planned work for that day had to get shifted to somewhere else. It was it was crazy. We were really nervous about not making the NFL kickoff. The implications of that would have been <laughs> catastrophic. Catast- <laughs> and, and funny story. So what would it? Were we, were we playing at Sanford Stadium? Are we over at Georgia Tech? Well, we like what's Falcons hard hats with the <laughs> well, rise up hard hats. Everybody gets one. If you remember, <laughs> we delayed the implosion of the Georgia Dome because we were really sincerely worried that some things might happen where we might have to pivot back. Oh boy! I came to a decision though. I, I call this a Cortez sort of burn the boats moment. We realized that if. The team felt that there was a plan B. There was an alternative. 
somehow the schedule might continue to slip. Interesting. So, yep. W- with that in mind, we bought no down, wiggle room. We bought down the George Dome and said we've got to make this work. And and so suddenly um, the urgency, <laughs> urgency stepped up. We we made it. We didn't have much to spare. We didn't get the roof o- roof open in that first year, but that didn't undermine the Mercedes Benz experience. It was a spectacular launch. Uh, really proud of kind of the experience. And, and the way I like to talk about the stadium is it's not just the hardware, right? Anybody can build a stadium. Mm-hmm. It's the software. It's the people. How do we deliver exceptional hospitality inside of Mercedes-Benz? And that's one of the things that I do believe differentiates us. We were number one in voice of the fan for the NFL, which is really hard to do. We've been number one in food and beverage. But this past year, we were number, number one across all dimensions o- overall. That was a huge milestone. That means the 4,000 game day people who show up sincerely care about delivering a hospitality experience to the guests that come through the gates. You have a ritual you do prior to the games where you speak to that whole group and reward someone, or is there something along those lines? So, like I said earlier, it's all about culture. It's about these 4,000 folks feeling like we have their backs. We want them to deliver exceptional hospitality. I, I've My mantra always in traveling around to these pregame huddles where all the service staff would gather all across the stadium in these huddles where we talk about the play of the day, we talk about culture, I would hand out sort of rewards and recognition for exceptional hospitality. But I've always said, you know, Mercedes-Benz Stadium is a stadium that aspires to be a Ritz-Carlton. You know, we're not in the stadium business, we're in the hospitality business, and the degree to which we can aim at exceptional levels of hospitality, not associated with the sports industry, but associated with the best and brightest out there. I picked Ritz-Carlton. I could have said Four Seasons or or any other brand associated with really exceptional the way hospitality. you take care of people. Yeah. So great. on that note, you just had 210,000 people roll in there. What I would argue for the most they've ever spent on any event, right? Uh, you know, ticket, set, ticket prices were astronomical, relatively speaking. And, Sandra, you can attest. I mean, I heard rave reviews. Oh, you, I've never had an instance where you couldn't get a ticket, even if, you know, at that point. Right. And the other part of it is, have you ever had an artist three straight days? That's my other thing. Because I know Beyonce's coming up, right? Three straight days. So it's likely going to look just like that. So we've never had three straight days, mm-hmm. and we're going to get it twice in one year right. with two artists that can actually fill a stadium right. three straight days. And that that's what... It's really hard to fill a stadium, and we were no doubt. We we were sixty five thousand people three nights in a row, and if you think about that, you know, relative to State Farm, which does you know eighteen thousand because they cut off the back end, that's like four State Farms, right? You, you know, in in one, one night. night, and to do that three times three in, a row in a row is absolutely amo- amazing. A testimony to the following that that Taylor Swift has; she has got a devoted following. What did you think of the entire? operation of how they roll in execution just the whole, i mean it's a phenomenon really and forget about whether she's your music or not i just i like to look at just the from a business perspective look at that operation they had going on right so taylor swift surrounds herself with brilliant business people it is a business and they think yeah. through the logistics of how do you move across the country and then a world tour and how do you do it as efficiently as they can they've got two separate stage sets that that leapfrog across the country there are about 130 18 wheelers that that pull into town so while we're set up at mercedes-benz stadium and conducting a concert the other b team is already on its way to nashville getting ready for that second concert 
the stage set itself is designed kind of for for ease of setup and breakdown. We had the whole setup broken down in a single day. So many artists think like artists as opposed to business people, and so they'll create an environment which is fantastic but really unwieldy and difficult, and difficult means expensive. So they have thought through all of this, and so they delivered an exceptional – like the the – experience inside of Mercedes-Benz was electric. It yeah. was, I, I, I would take that concert and I'd put it right there with the Super Bowl. I mean, right. the, the kind right. of... The Many no, people said that, by no the way. No doubt. The right? buzz. We and heard I've been, that. I've been, in, you know, I've been to Super Bowls with the Falcons. I've been with other teams that I had an interest in. There's a palpable energy unlike any other. Maybe like the Derby, as we were talking about, when it's getting ready within five minutes of the race. That's what Taylor Swift felt like in that building. It, it did, and um, and all of Atlanta felt it because people came from all over the country to be part of this tour. What was exceptional about it was beautifully staged, beautifully produced. She played for three hours. The fan base were nice. They were kind. Right. There were no there were no drunken incidents that we saw so often at at, at college football games. That that. Did not happen. Right. People dressed up in their or soccer games at times in ben. their different era costumes, having a wonderful time. And you had it firsthand, right? Because I think you have you got a lot of kids, right? How many, how many, I ha- I how many had, kids do you have? I have nine children, but yeah. I had I have seven daughters, and four of my seven daughters, ranging from seventeen to thirty-one, were were there, and I was there to watch them. And I'll tell you, I had more fun watching my four girls watch Taylor Swift together. They were arm in arm with their friends. They were dancing. They were singing. They knew every word to every song. So I was watching my four girls have a peak life moment. Yeah, that's and, so cool. And by proxy, dad had a peak, peak life, life moment, moment. Like, right along with him. That's I like tremendous. That. Peak life. We all should strive, you know, for peak life moments. Um, just a kudos all the way around. And I think Steak and I, we started talking about it a week prior when NBS and your Twitter and social media started putting out, here's how we can help you. That was so key in making that whole kind of cog work, don't you think? Yeah. And you you guys did tremendous on that. More of that. Yeah. Listen, our fan experience is from when you leave your house to when you get back home. So we think through how do they get through there on ways, how do we give them enough information about clear bag policies and what you can and can't bring? Because it's disappointing if you show up and you have all your stuff. Oh, it's the worst. And then you got to go check your bags. See national title game. Oh, my God. 2000, whatever. The president shows up. The weather, the weather's horrific. Uh, guys, Key things were down. Remember, Take these, the- these are people that oh saved God. their money for the national title game and waited two hours and fifteen minutes in line. Right. Well, let me give you the backstory on that. We'll do that when we come back, um, and uh, we also are going to talk. What do you learn about yourself when you had that Super Bowl moment that was not a good one, and how do you feel about where our teams are trending? Certainly United and the Falcons. Steve Cannon's live in studio on Sports Radio 929 the game. Ten forty-three, Sports Radio 929 the game. We'll continue our leadership segment with Steve Cannon, the uh, vice chairman of uh, Arthur M. Blank Sports and Entertainment. But you hear the song. Now, he may not be able to fill, you know, Mercedes-Benz, but he did okay at State Farm. It's the boss <laughs> in the background. It's our big game of the night brought to you by John Foy and Associates. What's the game we should be paying attention to tonight? It's the Sox in town. The Sox. Get your dunk and come down there and watch the Sox and Braves. You know, there'll be a lot of New England folks running around 
And uh, not good news for the Braves earlier. Max Fried in the 15-day DL. Kyle Wright's already on the uh, – you know, on the men. So tonight, what do we got? Nick Pavetta. And Charlie Morton will throw. And, uh, yeah, so that was the big scary game, news. Though. Does it feel like a big game it the Red Sox? Feel, it town? always does because the Red Sox are the sexy brand. 720 and just a heads up and are ever-changing. Uh, Where do I watch the game? Tonight, in fact, it is on uh, TNT. So there oh, you it's go. a Tuesday night baseball. Oh, there you go. Tuesday night baseball on TNT. Mm-hmm. And Sunday morning was Peacock. And then there's like an Apple game. And then there's. My head's going to explode. Yeah. Just tell me. Steve Cannon's here. We've got a lot to get to. So we're going to have to move fast. You can handle that. <laughs> um, really quick, what you do in moments of high stress, such as national title game, pouring rain, uh, presidents in town, maximum security added. Now the, the, the president's security is added. And you have folks spending thousands of dollars to watch the national title, and they're in the rain for two and a half hours. So one of my leadership beliefs is leaders need to be visible. And, and you know, we, we're taught, we learned it at West Point, the, the, the leader needs to go to the decisive point on the battlefield. Um, we can't always impact, but to, to be seen, to be part of it, yeah. to, to, to let your folks know that you're sharing in this difficulty or in this pain. So for me during that time, which was very frustrating because we weren't in charge of security, uh, Secret Service came in right at the last minute, told us we're closing down all of Gate 1, 35% wow. Wow. Of, 35% of our of our influx into the stadium comes through gate one. They shut it down two hours before the, the, the kickoff. That means everybody had to go to gate two. On top of that, they dialed up the magnetometers that now TSA was running, not our security staff. So it was a it was a nightmare, a customer experience nightmare for for a stadium that prides itself on trying to deliver Ritz Carlton like right, level service. So that stung a lot. I, I won't I won't kid mistake. Explain it to everybody what it means when they turn that up. So if you got a paper clip in your So, so that's that's the, the, it's designed to detect metal weapons objects and if it alerts um, that you have to go back out, you have okay. to do, do the pat down. And what happened is everybody was alerting. So all of a sudden you shut down one gate and then the throughput on your remaining gate slows down to a crawl yep. because of the magnetometers. It just added up to this really difficult experience. And to your point, stake, the only thing I could do was be visible. I wandered, I walked, I went from gate one to gate two. I went for, to the points where our folks were having to deal with irate Huge fans and irate guests. fans, right. And, and so look, oh. we, we... Hey, it was a great football game. Didn't end the way uh, Georgia fans wanted, right? But it was a memorable game, nothing, uh, nonetheless. It took away the sting of the entry in that they delivered. Yes. We, de- you know, ulti- Ultimately, the teams delivered an exceptional college football championship. All right, 1046 the time. I'm going to give our three strikes. Wait, we still have to play three strikes. I mean, we can't... Treat this guy like we're going to do a different show, right? No, we got to get with the program. All right. So, yes. <laughs> um, and then I got a couple of questions um, regarding World Cup, which obviously is oh, yeah. super exciting coming up. Toughest loss you've ever endured. Toughest loss you've ever endured. I think, I think he had a tough one, Sandra. I have a, don't bring was, it up. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, the best thing you've eaten at a stadium. The best thing you've ever eaten. What was the stadium and what did you eat? And a CEO you had have admired a CEO you always admired 404-741-0929 404-741-0929 one of the first celebrity type CEOs so I'm from I don't know if you know this I'm from Boston Sandra what yeah yeah I'm not from oh I know you thought Lord. I was from I thought Macon. for sure it was Dothan no Ma- mm-hmm. I know you thought Macon mm-hmm. uh Jack Welch a CEO of uh GE right wrote that first business book years ago one of the first famous CEO books. Is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah. Neutron Jack. 
Yeah. So um, he was a guy that um, he wrote a few different business books, but he's a guy that I've paid attention to. Well, um, he's not around anymore, but he was one of those guys uh, over the years. I read his books as well. So just I'm just trying to, you know, uh, grease the wheels here. CEO you've always admired, best thing you've eaten at a stadium, and the toughest loss you ever endured. So um, what do you learn about yourself? What do you learn about Arthur when it looks like you're going to win the first Super Bowl in, in Falcons history? And what happens, happens on that night in Houston. So that was a tough day. It's a tough day that I, you know. For our whole city, for everybody. And and honestly, it still stings. I was sitting there in in the suite. I'm getting texts from all over the country. You know, we were leading by a substantial amount. I don't even want to say those two numbers because I hear them all the time. Yeah, we don't need to hear. Yeah, yeah. so. Um, I'm getting congratulatory texts, and I'm, I'm, I'm like a little superstitious in that regard. I'm like, please, no congratulations. And, and then how that sort of the entire tide turned in the second half and almost like the perfect storm of impossible things all lined up to become possible that allowed for that overtime. And at that point, our, our team was pretty gassed, and it was, and it was just um, almost, almost inevitable. Look, what I appreciated in that moment a lot about, about Arthur Blank is as he stood in, in the line of fire, he, st- he leaned into it. You know, he's a guy that goes down onto the field, um, not, not b- because it's an ego thing. People misunderstand this. When Arthur goes down on the field, he's, not, he's th- there to tell the troops, the football players, the team, I'm here with you. I'm not going to just sit isolated in my luxury suite separated from yeah. your experience. So that's a, s- a really important symbol. Listen, he's down there him. when they're down four touchdowns. I mean, I've seen there's no waiver. It's not to try to get, you know, look at me. He's down there for the, for the tough times for sure. And he stood, and I'm sure that, like all of us, sort of dreams of parades and Lombardi oh, trophies yeah. were were dancing through our heads, and to have all that pulled away in that kind of fashion, you know, it still it still still stings. But the fact that Arthur was there, he was on the sidelines, sort of stoically being there for his team in a moment when he needed to show leadership. That stands out. And then after that, you know, all of this stuff is pre-planned. So we had a party, we had a yeah, party. And obviously, how do you throw a party after that? Arthur was there, and he took every conversation. He was there sort consoling of consoling folks. and being there in the moment. So it's not just about you know hoisting the trophy. There are those – that's why we love sports so much. You can go from the highest highs to the lowest lows. And he stood there and was that visible leader in, a, in the most difficult moment. So I, I got a lot of respect for him um, – yeah, and, and, and listen, the city's never recovered totally, and you won't and Arthur won't until, and I can say this because, you know, the famous 86-year curse that Boston had, you never hear it again. It's never been spoken of. They've won multiple World Series. The only way to exercise it is to win a world championship. And once that happens, and it will, then then you'll never hear those numbers again. Mm-hmm. I don't think you will, at least. And then we got to get to our calls, but then you get the joy of winning the Cup for Atlanta United on your home field, which was an incredible night. That, right? was, that was exceptional. Yeah, we will own that until we re- rewrite the ending, and I'm confident that one day we will. I hope so. I think we're headed in the right direction. I'm excited. You excited about the offseason moves? Uh, fantastic. We've sort of been in salary cap jail for a couple of years mm-hmm. and to finally be out there building roster, b- making moves, filling positional needs that we did, feel great about free agency and draft, and it's an exciting new day. Yeah. Obviously, it's all got to come together on the football field and express itself in wins, but I, I love the momentum and the energy that, that we have absolutely turned the tide. Yeah. Yeah. 404-741-0929. 
Toughest loss you've ever endured. Best thing you've eaten at a stadium. CEO you always admired. All right, real quick, World Cup. How, how cool is this going to be? Is it really going to be like five different Super Bowls for every week that we get a game? Is that the kind of energy we're talking about? A hundred percent and more for anybody that remembers, you know, the Olympics coming to town uh, back in 1996. This is going to be bigger than that. The World Cup has honestly eclipsed the Olympics as yeah, the biggest no global event, not not by a little, but by a lot. The fact that it's going to come here, that we're going to have group stage. We haven't heard whether we'll be um, a semifinal, semifinal, but we feel we feel pretty confident because of our stadium, our soccer culture. Uh, but th- this is going to be enormous. I so mean, the, exciting. The globe is coming to Atlanta exactly 30 years after the Olympics. Yeah, I think yeah, that that's, that's cool. There's some yeah. nice symmetry there. The uh, media center, is there still a chance that those 3,000 journalists come here or is that somewhere else? Journalists come here. Journalists, yeah. We we bid for that. I d- that hasn't been announced. Um, so I don't. I you don't, don't know sound very confident over there. I mean, give me some good news. Or I don't something. know. He's got a big I, smile I, on your no, face, no, Steve. Listen, Maybe you I'm, do I, know. I feel great about the World Cup and what mm-hmm. what okay. Atlanta is okay. the part that we will play, whether that's with Media Center or without. This will be an exceptional, exceptional experience.